0: Welcome to the August 16th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15, and the sermon is entitled The Woman at the Well, Breaking the Ice. Delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're going to start a new segment of our study through the Gospel of John. Take your Bible and open it with me to the Gospel of John chapter four today. We're continuing on in our trek through this great gospel written by the disciple, the apostle John. John had followed Jesus as a disciple for the three years of Jesus' public ministry. John the disciple heard Jesus' words as he preached and taught. John the disciple saw Jesus heal, even raising people from the dead. John the disciple was at the foot of the cross the day Jesus died there. John was one of the first people to look into an empty tomb upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that first Easter morning. His mind had collected thousands of memories and facts and experiences about his life lived beside the life of the Son of God, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Some 50 years had passed since Jesus had ascended to heaven and the disciples were carrying on the gospel message in this world. That phase of his life that was so miraculous was gone for five decades. And under the inspiration of God as an old man, John knows he is led by God to, light, to write down his experience with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. John puts down the bare essentials, the bare activities that he shared with the Son of God, the things that he saw as an eyewitness. But I do remind you that John the Apostle wrote down only the barest of the facts. If you look at the very last sentence of his gospel, he said, If I were to write down everything that I saw Jesus do, the world could not contain the books of everything that Jesus performed and did while he ministered on this earth for those earthly years. But in John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, John gives us the reason that he wrote this gospel down. He said this is a brief biography of Jesus' life that you might know him as your Savior. So before the Apostle John left this earth as a human being, he left behind as his legacy this witnessing tool. And this witnessing tool is now passed to you and to me that we might use it as such in the the days that are to come, that we can give the good news of Jesus Christ to this world through this tool of the Gospel of John. My prayer is that God will use this a sermon series for years to come for people to understand the life of Jesus Christ so as today as we open the Bible we're going to a very familiar passage Jesus meeting the woman at the well as we see it in John chapter 4 now the entire account of Jesus Sharing these these moments with the woman at the well is encased in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. And I can tell you today, there is no way in the world that I could cover 42 verses with the woman at the well in one sermon. So I'm going to break this sermon down into three parts as we look at Jesus uh, reaching out to the woman at the well. You're going to hear three sermons back to back about this account of Jesus' life. Today, we're going to look at verses 1 through 15, the first third of this account. Now, at this point in time, Jesus' ministry and John the Baptist's ministry were overlapping you remember that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist was sent ahead of Jesus to proclaim and point to the Messiah who was coming after him. Well, Jesus did appear on the scene, and Jesus was beginning to preach the gospel of the kingdom. But John the Baptist was also continuing to preach his message of repentance so that these two great preachers, their ministries were overlapping. And people were now coming to Jesus the Christ hearing the message of salvation, and according to Scripture, Jesus is baptizing believers now. His camp is baptizing believers in the good news that God Almighty can save and forgive through the forgiveness of sin. John the Baptist is still preaching the message of repentance. His camp is also baptizing people in sorrow for their sin. So as we see what's happening here in the overlapping of the two ministries, let's look at how John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15, drop into this. So listen to these verses. Open your Bible with me. Read along with me. John chapter 4, go to verse 1. Hear these words. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence, then, hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of Jesus' experience with in reaching out to the woman at the well. It's a great story, a great account of Jesus' life. Now, you can see in this moment that Jesus' ministry is gaining traction He is overtaking the ministry of John the Baptist, his forerunner, the one who was to point to him as the Lord, as the Messiah who was coming. John the Baptist is decreasing, and the ministry of Jesus is increasing, and that is exactly the plan of God. John the Baptist knew it well. He is the one who said in John 3.30, I must decrease and he must increase. The plan of God was being carried out here. I want you to notice in verse 2 that, that John, the gospel writer, says that while people were coming to Christ as Lord, that Jesus himself did not baptize the believers. But rather, according to verse 2, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, notice that the disciples of Christ were the ones who literally took those believers into the water and baptized them as that first act of obedience to God. The disciples took the new converts into the water and baptized them, not Jesus himself. Now, I've said this a couple of Sundays ago, but let me reiterate this to you. Perhaps you didn't hear this, but I want you to hear this statement. It is so very important. You will notice throughout the Bible that Jesus is the only one who can bring about a miracle. Amen? Jesus is the only one who can save a soul. Jesus is the only one who can forgive sin. But notice it says that he entrusted to his disciples the act of baptism. It's so interesting to me that Jesus is the only one who can bring forth a miracle. Still true today, and yet he allows we who are believers to walk with him and cooperate with him that we might be a part of his miracles. He allowed the disciples to be a part of the miracle of salvation by allowing them to do the baptisms. He allowed his disciples to pass out the food to the 5,000. So we can see many examples throughout the New Testament, of how Jesus allowed his believers to walk with him in the midst of the miracles. And we still have that same opportunity and that same privilege that only Jesus can bring about the miracle of the healing of a heart, but he allows us to proclaim the good news. He allows us to deliver the gospel into this world. What a privilege it is to serve him. Amen? He is the only one who can bring about the miracles, but he allows us to be his servants, to be his witnesses, to be his representatives. What a, what a privilege he gives to us that we might serve him. As Jesus' saving ministry is gaining strength then, he is beginning to travel now. As we see him here in John chapter 4, he needs to travel once again. He is going to travel out of Judea to the south, and he's going to head north to Galilee. So he's making a major move from Judea to Galilee. It's about an 80 to 90 mile walk. So we're talking about a major trip that he is going to make along with his disciples. Now, listen to this. It's very important. In order to get from southern Judea to northern Galilee, there are three routes that you could take. As you come out of Judea, you could swing to the west and go out toward the seacoast of the Mediterranean Sea. So you swing outward, and then as you get up to Galilee, then you swing back into the east, and you come in that direction. So you swing out west, then come back. Or you could go another direction. You could swing out to the east and travel through the land of Perea, and then when you get past Perea, you turn back west and come into Galilee. So you'll see those two routes, which many people chose, they swang outward either to the west or to the east. But there were longer routes. But most people chose those routes to travel. But the third route, as we say in the south, was the way the crow flies. The direct route, straight up from Judea into Galilee. Very few people traveled that route. Most Jews would not travel that route. Most Jews would swing out to the west, swing out to the east, and avoid going through the center of the territory. Why is that? Because they had to pass through a region called Samaria. Most Jews would not travel through Samaria. Jews did not want to associate at all with the Samaritans, the people who lived there. Samaritans were avoided at all costs. Even though the trip was longer, either way you went, you avoided them. You did not want to confront them. You did not want to see them. You did not want to speak to them. So you avoid them. Take a longer trip to get around Samaria. Let me give you a little history lesson here. 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, 10 tribes of Israel... Lived in that landmass known as Samaria. And the Gentile Assyrians came and invaded Samaria and took most of the Jews out of Samaria and took them as captives to Assyria. But they left a pocket of Jews there. They left a pocket of Israel to live there in Samaria under Assyrian rule. So you have in Samaria then a pocket of Jews with the Assyrians as their rulers. As time went on, the Jews became friendly with the Assyrians so that they began to marry one another, so that children were produced. And the children that came from that union were half Jew and half Gentile, a mixed race. They were known as the Samaritans. The Samaritans learned that they needed to withdraw from the Jewish population, so they would not even travel up to Jerusalem, or to Galilee rather, or travel down to Judea and Jerusalem to worship in the temple there. They stayed in their land. They worshiped their God, a place called Mount Gerizim, you'll hear that name as we read further in sermons to come but the result of all this history is that Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews they were a half-breed race and the Jews could not stand to even look at them they were avoided at all cost but as Jesus and his disciples traveled I want you to look at John 4 verse 4 And it says of Jesus, and he must needs go through Samaria. Jesus tells his disciples, we're going as the crow flies this time. We're going straight from Judea up to Galilee, and we're going through Samaria. I must go there. He needed to go there. Why? Because he had an appointment there. He had an appointment with a woman that he was going to meet. She did not know that that appointment existed, but Jesus knew it well. He structured his trip specifically so he could see this woman. So Jesus and his disciples then leaving Judea, get up into Samaria, and they come to the city of Sychar. Now this city has a well in it with Old Testament history. If you want to write this reference down, back in Genesis chapter 48, verse 22... It tells us that Jacob gave his son Joseph this area of land. And the water source that served this area of land was a well. And the well was always known as Jacob's well. Because originally it had belonged to Jacob and he passed it on to his son Joseph. But this water source served all of this community. And it was famous. It had always been known for centuries as Jacob's well. Well, as Jesus and his disciples come into town, John chapter 4, verse 6 tells us that Jesus is tired. He's weary. He's hungry. He's thirsty. I'm grateful that John added that statement, and I believe there's a reason that John tells us that he's weary. Jesus, indeed, is the very Son, the very Lamb of God, fully God, but also fully human. Jesus got tired. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus felt every challenge that you and I feel. So Jesus sits down on this well, and he sends his disciples on into the city of Sychar. The well is outside of the city, and he sends his disciples on into the city of Sychar to get food that they might be nourished. Now John notes here also that it is the sixth hour. What time is it? Well, by the Roman clock, according to the sixth hour, by the Roman clock, it's 6 p.m. But by the Jewish time, it's noon. Now, I believe, and most theologians agree with me, or I agree with them, that it's noon. That we're going by the Jewish clock here, that it's actually noon time of the day. It's the hottest time of day. It's the time when most of the people in Sychar are laying low and seeking shade and staying still because in this time it is a hot time of day. So they don't move a whole lot, but they're staying still. So that means at noon, most of the time, the well is uh, very empty. No one is there. No one is coming. Jesus sits down at noontime on the edge of that well. And he's alone there. His disciples are in town. And one lone woman comes toward him. It's his appointment. She's an outcast, we learn. She's a woman with a bad reputation in Sychar. Most likely she came at noon because she wanted to be alone. She didn't want to have to face the townspeople. She wanted to get her water and slip back into town and no one would even know she was there. And She meets Jesus at that well, just the two of them. Now, the rules of etiquette demand that these two people never speak. A Jewish man would never speak to a woman that he did not know, no matter who she was. A Jewish man, by rule of etiquette, would never speak to a woman he does not know. But furthermore, a Jewish man would never, ever say a word to a Samaritan woman. Never. It would never happen. So she is shocked. When Jesus breaks the silence, here she is at the well. Here he is sitting at the lip of the well. And he says, give me a drink of water. He didn't say it. As I put myself in this scripture, and I've read it a hundred times preparing for this sermon, he he didn't give her an order, give me a drink of water. It was a request. Would you give me a drink of water? And she makes the expected reply. She said, how could you, a Jewish man, even speak to me, a Samaritan woman? I didn't think this would ever happen. And yet you're speaking to me. Your people hate people like me. Okay, now, what I want you to see is Jesus has her full attention. (laughs) He's done something that she never expected. He simply spoke to her asking for a drink of water. And he said, I asked you for some water, but if you just knew who I am, you would ask me for living water. You would ask me for the drink, because the water that I would offer is living water, and I would freely give it to you. By the way, write this reference down in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2. Verse 13, God calls himself the fountain of living waters. Jesus had every right to offer her living water because he himself was the fountain of that water. So here Jesus is telling her, you're having a conversation with the Lord right now. (coughs) Excuse me. You're having a conversation with God Almighty right now in these moments. But she doesn't get it. She's still thinking about water that comes out of an earthly well. Look at verse 11. John 4:11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? So she says, Sir, You don't have a bucket. You don't have a ladle. You have no way to reach the water in the bottom of this well, and this well is very deep. So she's not getting it yet. She's still thinking about water out of this well. And then Jesus now fully witnesses to her. He says, you drink of this well water every day, and every day you come back. Because every day you get thirsty again. And you have to come back to the well over and over and over again because your thirst always returns. You're never really satisfied. But if you drink of the water that I offer you, you will never be thirsty again. One drink will satisfy you forever. Look at the last part of verse 14. Jesus says, the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So he says, the water that I want to offer you is water of everlasting life. So Jesus is crossing the line now from earthly water and an earthly well and earthly thirst and earthly life to living water and spiritual things and everlasting life. You see how he crosses the line of earthly things to spiritual things? How he's talking about life on earth versus eternal life in heaven? Giving your soul to the Lord? He is offering this woman forgiveness. He's offering this woman at the well a peace that she never had in her life. A peace that she'd never known. He was offering something that she longed for, but she never had in the forgiveness of her sin. Look at verse 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So she says, I want your water, and I want to be satisfied. I would love never to be thirsty again. I would love never to have to come out to this well again. So she's still thinking about physical thirst and physical things. You remember, Jesus had to deal with this with Nicodemus. He's telling Nicodemus about a second birth, and Nicodemus says, What, what do you mean? You mean I, I go back to my mother and go back into the woman and are born a second time physically? In the same way, this woman just didn't get it yet. What do you mean I don't, I'm not going to have to come back to this well ever again if you give me a drink of your water you're offering me? So she's still in the physical realm of things. She hadn't caught on yet. So as we close this portion of the conversation today, Jesus has witnessed this woman, and he's offered her life, and he's offered her forgiveness, but the light bulb has not come on yet. She hasn't understood yet. Will she ever understand? Come back next week. And we'll go on in the passage. But I want you to stick with me here. Up to this point, where we are in this conversation of Jesus with the woman at the well, let me give you four points that I think flow from these verses that we need to hear. The first point is this. Jesus went to the city of Sychar... Because he had an appointment with this woman. She did not know it, but Jesus the Christ knew it very well, that he was going to meet with her, and so he directly went to the place where he would see her and meet with her. You know, I've come to realize over the years of my life that we don't have really chance, lucky meetings with people. I believe all of us live on the system of appointments. What we see here with Jesus is not simply because he's the son of God. Yes, he had an appointment with this woman, but I believe that you and I, in our daily life, fulfill appointments with people every single day. When we're out in public, when we're in the workplace, wherever it might be, I believe that we are fulfilling appointments given to us by God. And here's what I believe from this point one. If you and I will bear in mind, as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, that every person we meet whether it's friend or stranger, every person we converse with is an appointment from God, we will be able to see that person more with the eyes of Jesus. If we keep in our mind that we're fulfilling an appointment, we're going to see that person with the eyes of Jesus. And we will grow in that. We We will grow in that understanding, and we will grow in that outreach when we bear that in mind. This is an appointment God set for me. Point number two. In this passage, you will notice that Jesus is the one who broke the ice of the conversation. This woman would have never, not in a million years, she would have never spoken to him. He had to start the conversation. Friends, when you and I are out in the world, when the opportunity arises, speak to someone maybe in an elevator, maybe in the grocery line, maybe you're at some social gathering, just a word or two. You never know what a simple word of hello or how are you or something that might lead into a deeper conversation or a deeper relationship just by a spoken word. You know, I've said this to the congregation a number of times, especially on Wednesday nights, but one of my favorite places to be for those conversations to develop is in an elevator at the hospital it's amazing when someone gets on the elevator and they're obviously upset I don't ask who's sick I don't ask what's the problem I don't ask what floor are they on I simply say can we step out of this elevator I'll pray with you and it's amazing I've never been turned down Out of the many times I've had prayers with a total stranger just asking for their loved one to be blessed and for them to have strength as they stand by him or her. Let them go. It's amazing what will happen if you will step over the line. Now, I'm not perfect in that, and I have not fulfilled every one of my appointments, friends. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not perfect. But if we can live in that mindset, God will open many doors. Okay, point number three. Point number two is about the stranger. Point number three is about the person you know. Maybe someone that you have an established relationship with over the course of years, maybe within your family. Maybe someone you work with. Maybe someone you go to school with, and you've known them for years. Have you ever opened the door of a spiritual conversation with them? Maybe with something as simple as, do you go to church? Simply saying, if you don't, come with me sometime. I'd love to invite you. I'd love for you to come and sit beside me in church. Just open the door for a spiritual conversation. How important that is. Let me give an example. A number of years ago, Dwayne Martin, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, would bring his baptism candidates here because they didn't have a baptistry at that time. And one day in this baptistry, he baptized a man who was on up in his years. And Dwayne... As he introduced him to the congregation who was here from his church, he said, This man is named so and so. And he said, I witnessed to him and he accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And he said, In my conversation, I said, Why have you waited so long to accept Christ as your Savior? He said, Because nobody ever asked me before. There are times when we need to step out of our comfort zone and establish some type of a spiritual relationship and conversation. When the door opens, and I believe the door opens to us. You know why I believe the door opens? Because people are still thirsty. People are still thirsty to need the good news of Jesus Christ. That thirst is within them. I believe that God created them with that thirst in them, and they they need to hear, and they need to be invited. So just, just step out of the box a little bit. And establish that conversation and then let it flow as it will. Point number three. Just establish that conversation with someone you know. God will give you the timing, but every person's thirsty. Last point. Point number four. Sometimes I want you to remember in those conversations, the light bulb does not come on. <laughs> Up to verse 15 in this passage as Jesus, the very Son of God, was offering this woman living water, up to verse 15, the light bulb had not come on. Do you see that? And I want you to know that in some of our conversations, people might not respond to our words of invitation. The light bulb just won't come on in our conversation. Listen, what I want to say to you is this. Don't be discouraged in that. You establish The open door. You establish the opportunity to say a word about Christ. But if the light bulb doesn't come on and the door doesn't really get open, don't be discouraged. Just say, Lord, you let me plant a seed there. You water it. You grow it. Maybe I'll have another opportunity. Maybe someone else will. But I planted the seed, God. I did what you asked me to do. I took up my appointment, and I opened the door. Lord, you water this seed from here. Just give that conversation to him. And pray that he will grow it in days that are to come. Believers, can we commit our lives to opening our eyes a little bit wider every day to our divine appointments? Jesus had an appointment. So do we. I guarantee you, God has lined up some appointments for you and me this week. In your section of the world, I don't know if it's going to be by a telephone call or personal meeting or at the workplace or in the schoolroom, wherever it might be, God has lined up some appointments for you and me this week, believers. You believe that? It's true. It's true. Keep your eyes open for your appointments. Speak a good word for Jesus. Go through that open door. Break the ice. Establish that conversation. And today, if you've never come to a Miss Savior, and you're listening to me right now, listen, here's our appointment. Here's my appointment with you. If you're streaming with me today, you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, here's our appointment. You and I are sharing a moment that God opened for you and me today. I want you to know He loves you. I want you to know that he created you. And I want you to know that all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. No one is exempt from that. But Jesus himself, the Lamb of God, went to the cross and literally died there, shed his blood there, that you and I can be forgiven. And he's saying to you right now, I'm here, I'm waiting. I'm ready to receive you as my son or daughter. I personally, I can't save you. All I can be is a messenger. But he can save you. And he can give you eternal life if you just come and say, Yes, Lord, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry for my sin. And I want you as my Savior. I want you as my friend. I want you to walk with me every day. Lord, I need you. Today, you can come to him. He's telling you, I'm waiting for you right now. Accept him as your Savior. There's no better time to come than this day. If you're listening to this sermon somewhere down the road of time on podcast, this is our appointment. He wants you, and he just wants you to come. There's no better time. There's no reason to wait. Today is the day, and this is the moment of your divine appointment with the Savior to give you life. Believers, will we join together in committing our lives to fulfilling our divine appointments? Church home, whatever you need. He meets us here. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, thank you for these moments, Lord. Thank you, Father, that as we meet together in these moments, I I pray that all of us as believers realize that in this week that is to come, I don't know where all of us are going to go. I'm not sure everywhere I'm going to go this week yet. But I do believe, Lord, that as the all-knowing God, you've already set up some appointments for me and for every believer who's listening to me today. There's someone who needs to know the love of Christ through us. Send us there. Help us break the ice. And help us say something that plants the seed, begins the conversation, I pray. Help us as a church, Lord, to live with that mindset that we're going into a world with a great need for Christ. Bless us in these moments of decision, I pray. Bless that one who needs you and today has heard the good news of Jesus. Bless him or her now. Whatever the need, we know you'll meet it as we come to you in these moments of decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.